So this morning, uh, scripture we're looking at is uh, a story from Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10. So we'll be looking at chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, chapter 10, 1 through 23. Uh, So if you want to follow along at home, if you've got it with you in your lap, otherwise uh, you can follow along here uh, on the screen beside me. Now before, before we read, let's pray. God, we're grateful once again for this opportunity to to just gather together uh, here uh, in this space, in this virtual space, to to once again give our lives to you, to recognize that that you are God and, and we are your people, and to really live into that, to remind ourselves that we belong to you, and also to remind ourselves uh, who we ought to be in the world. So come Holy Spirit and open our hearts and our minds, our eyes and ears, help us to see and hear uh, what you want us to see and hear this morning. And we pray, uh, God, that by the power of your spirit and your word that in some way, we would just be changed, and we would be transformed, and that we would, we would look more like you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Matthew 9, starting at verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like a, they were like a bunch of sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Then he called the twelve disciples to him, gave them authority, authority to, to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. In other words, to do the things that Jesus had been doing. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who eventually would betray Jesus. These twelve, Jesus sent out, but before he sent them out, he's like, I got to give you some marching orders. Here's some instructions for you. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Then, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, so freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. 
Take no bag for the journey. Don't take an extra tunic or an extra pair of sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there. And stay in his house until you leave. As you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home, when you leave that town. I tell you the truth, it'll be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard against people. They'll hand you over to the local councils and they'll flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given to what to say, for it won't be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All people will hate you because of me, Jesus says. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. We'll stop there. Because that's probably enough for one day. That's really good stuff, right? Right? Like, at least I think it is. I think it's supposed to be. But, but I don't know for sure. Because that's some pretty crazy stuff that we just read. Look, I didn't want to do this today. Not this. I love doing this. But I didn't want to do this with this. This part of the scripture today. and um, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to speak about it. I didn't want to learn it. I didn't want to hear it because um, it's hard. It's difficult. Another, another disruptive text, right? Um, so here's the deal. Fair warning. I'm going to say a little less than I normally say. Not a lot less, just a, a little bit less. And there's going to be a, a lot less frilly stuff going on here, a lot less stories, a lot less anecdotes and all that kind of stuff, because here's the deal. Sometimes the words of Jesus... Um, they just require a lot less from me and require a lot more discussion among you, right? So I want you to, I want you to think about what I'm saying to you today, and I've said this before, but whatever it is that I have to say to you isn't the end of the discussion. It's never the end of the discussion. In fact, it's just the beginning of the discussion. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not up here just telling you how it is. I want you to talk about it. I want you to think about it. You don't necessarily... You don't necessarily have to agree with what I have to say. I'm just sort of trying my best. Um, trying my best to, with, with stuff like this isn't, isn't easy. Um, so I want you to talk about it. And hopefully after I'm done sort of commentating on what Jesus has to say, there'll be enough there for you to talk about on your couches or at your table or wherever it is you find yourselves. I hope you talk about this. So anyway, let's sort of jump back into the story and 
to kind of get a feel for what's going on, right? So Jesus is going from town to town, from village to village, and he's preaching about the kingdom of heaven, the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And, and Matthew tells us that he's healing every disease and sickness. Now, here's the cool thing about this is this isn't the first time that Matthew has said those words, almost verbatim, word for word. He says the same thing back at the end of chapter 4. He says Jesus is going around from town to town preaching the good news and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Because of what he's doing, all kinds of people are gathering around him. And then he stands up in front of this sort of massive mishmash of people, lots of really needy people, people who have nothing, people who are at the end of their ropes. And he preaches what, Matthew, what is now called the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's this sort of large collection of Jesus teachings, sort of his ethical teachings, like this is the way we ought to be in the world. And he looks at these people who are sort of spiritual zeros, like they have nothing. And he looks them in the eye and he says, you are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's essentially saying to the people who are harassed and helpless of the world, he's saying, God is on your side. And then he teaches about the kingdom of heaven and its implications on how we ought to be in the world. And then right after that, he doesn't just teach about it. He shows everybody what it looks like. If you follow the book of Matthew, there's healing after healing after healing after healing after healing. There's like five or six healings in there. And then we get to the part where we're talking about this morning. Again, Matthew says he's going from town to town, teaching about the good news of the kingdom of heaven is healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a big deal. Like, imagine if that were happening today. Imagine if there was some traveling dude just walking around between Ames and Roland and Story City and over to Nevada and Boone and Huxley and, and Slater, and he's just healing every disease and sickness among the people. That's a big deal. What do you think would happen? Well, because of the things that Jesus was doing, he was attracting a, a lot of attention all kinds of different people were beginning to gather around him in order to follow him. I imagine some of them just out of sheer curiosity, like, what's this dude up to? Many of them, on the other hand, are, are in need of some healing. There's something in their lives that just isn't right, and, and it needs to be put back together again. That's the kind of crowd we're talking about. And so when Jesus looks at this crowd, Matthew tells us he has, he has compassion on them. Like that's his first gut instinct. That's his first reaction when he sees all of these people. It's, it's not, you got to get your lives back together again. It's not, you got to pull yourselves up by whatever it is that you can pull yourselves up with. You know, put, your, put your life, get it together, man. That's not his reaction. His first reaction, immediate compassion. Because they're harassed and they're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them. Let's dwell there just for a moment. Compassion. There are all sorts of different ways that we define that word, right? All sorts of different ways that we talk about that. Like feeling sorrow for someone else. Or right, a concern for the welfare of other people. It's another good way to describe it. Another one is this, entering into the suffering of others. 
But I think there's, all those are good, but I think there's more going on here. Compassion. It's that feeling you get, like deep down in the deepest parts of your guts. Right? When you see something or when you become aware of something, when you learn something you didn't know before, it's that feeling you get deep down in the deepest parts of your guts. And because of that feeling, deep down there, you know you can't just sit and watch anymore. You know you can't, because of something you learned, well, now you gotta do something about it. You've had that feeling, right? You know what that feels like. Sometimes it's instantaneous. Sometimes it, it comes in stages, but all of a sudden it's there. That, that feeling deep down in the deepest parts of yourself. You're like, I can't sit here any longer. I have to do something about this. That's the kind of feeling we're talking about. Compassion. It's visceral. It's deep. That's what Jesus feels. Now, normally, in the stories about Jesus, whenever he has compassion for someone, uh, it's immediately followed by Jesus giving a healing to somebody. He's giving someone their life back, giving them a chance to flourish. But this time it's different. This time it's different. It's like he, he looks at this crowd, and it's almost as if you can hear his thoughts before he speaks. It's almost as if he looks at this big crowd because they're, they're harassed and helpless, and he thinks to himself, oh man, I'm going to need some help. And then he gathers his closest friends together, and he says, look, Look around you. Pay attention to your surroundings. Look at the world. Feel this deep sense of compassion. The harvest is plentiful, but, but the workers, there's just not very many of us. And then he sends out this little tiny posse of nobodies. Really, they're nobodies. And he gives them a large mission and a large message. Think about it. This is huge. Their mission was this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Sounds pretty large to me. Sounds huge to me. And then he gives them a large message. They're supposed to not only just talk or show it, but talk about it. Kind of like Jesus talked about it in the kingdom, in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he begins healing people. He begins showing people what it looks like. So here's their message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Like God is closer than you ever dreamed. This is God's kingdom, God's world. God is the king. God rules. This life isn't about you. It's about the divine and the presence of the divine and what God is up to in the world. That's a large message. And then he tells this tiny little posse of nobodies that they're going to run into some trouble, not little trouble, large trouble. Some are not going to welcome their mission, their message. They're going to be arrested. They're going to be whipped because of the message they bring. Brother will betray brother to death. This will tear at families. Children will rebel against their parents. And oh yeah, he, then he puts this in there. He's like, all people are going to hate you because of me. I'm guessing their hearts were pounding. I'm guessing they all had like sweat rings under their tunics and robes. They're like, I don't know about this. They're shaking a little bit. And then a little later on, Jesus says this. This is in verse 40. I didn't read it earlier. You can find it if you want. 
He says, he who receives you, receives me. And he who receives me, receives the one who sent me. He's saying to them, you are now my representatives in the world. He is saying to them, not only that, but you are representing the one who sent me. You are representing the divine in the world. Human beings representing the king. Oh. Now what Jesus seems to be talking about here is an old Jewish tradition. It's called the tradition of the shaliach. I think I said that right. Not sure. This is the idea of the authorized messenger. And it goes like this. Anyone sent out with the master's authority was to be accepted and treated as though he were the master himself. Like if a king sends a messenger to another kingdom, to another king, it was understood at the time by that culture that that messenger was to receive as if he were the king himself. Are you with me? And it would go the other way around. So what Jesus is saying here is that as the disciples go out on this large mission, it's as if God is doing it. As they're going out and talking about this large message, it's as if God is speaking. God is there speaking through them. So Jesus' closest friends were now his representatives in the world, sent out to do the things that he was doing. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, tell this, tells this story about a Jewish woman named Eddie Ellison. Eddie was in her 20s when the Germans occupied Holland, World War II. She wasn't really a, a religious person at the time, but as she looked around and experienced the world falling apart all around her, she became acutely aware of the presence of the divine in her life. And while she was imprisoned in Westerbrook, which is sort of a, a, a transitional camp, before she was then transferred to Auschwitz, she wrote these words. Listen to this. There must be someone to live through it all and bear witness to the fact that God lived, even in these times. And why should I not be that witness? There must be someone who lived through it all and bear witness to the fact that God lived, even in these times, and why should I not be that witness? About Eddie, William says this, she decided to occupy a certain place in this world, a place where others could somehow connect with God through her. She took responsibility for making God credible in the world. She took responsibility for God's believability. She took responsibility for God's credibility in the world. She took responsibility for God's believability in the world. In other words, she decided to become God's representative. Like Jesus looks at his closest followers and he sends them out to the to those who are helpless, to those who are harassed. He sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. God is on your side. 
He sends them out to, to not just talk about it, but to do it to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to drive out demons, to raise the dead, to to give people their lives back, to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to flourish in this life, here and now. Of course, he wasn't just, the sending just wasn't for them. Like this sending is for us too. And if that's the case, then we probably better be pretty clear about what Jesus is talking about here. Like, he gives them instructions. We probably better understand what he's talking about, don't you think? So, let's just talk about what he says. I'm just going to kind of run through them here, and hopefully it'll give you something to talk about. At first, he says, go to the harassed. Go to the helpless. Look out onto the world and go to the mistreated, go to the oppressed, go to the ones who are too tired to go on. This is Jesus talking, y'all. This, I'm not making this up. Read it here yourself. Go to them. In other words, go to the people who have, who have nothing. Make them your priority. He says, go to those for whom the system has failed. Go to those who have no voice, who have no advocate. Go to, go to those people. Give them what they need. Literally knock on their doors. See if they'll allow you into their homes. Put, you at, put yourself at their service. Accept their hospitality. Which implies learn from them. And with everything going on in the world right now, what does that look like for you? And what does that look like for, for a church like Renew? What does that look like for all Jesus people? I don't know about you, but it just sounds uncomfortable. Sounds really uncomfortable to me. Here's the next thing. He's like, don't take anything with you. Don't take any gold. Don't take any silver. Don't take any copper. Don't take all that stuff in your belts. You won't need it. Don't take an extra bag with some extra clothes in it. Don't take extra sandals. Don't take anything with you. In other words, choose vulnerability. Choose humility. Choose poverty. Choose simplicity. Don't carry any weapons with you. Leave them back. Don't take any backup. Like, really, what kind of advice is this? What's Jesus talking about? This isn't even the way the world works anyway. Like, if you want to get anything done in this world, you, you get as many people as you can. You muster up all the resources you can so you can overwhelm the opposition, Right? That's how it works. What, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? That's not how you get things done. But this is, these are his instructions, not mine. It's what he says. Don't take anything with you. Choose vulnerability. Choose humility. What does that look like for you? With everything that's going on in the world, what does that look like for you? What does that look like for, for Renew? I don't know, but it sounds pretty uncomfortable to me. Next, if a home is deserving, let your peace fall on that place. If not, let your peace return to you. In other words, recognize that, that this world is complex and difficult, so be wise. Don't be foolish. Do your best to make, share, and keep 
peace. If, if there are those who don't want peace, who aren't receptive, feel free to move on. What does that look like for you? <laughs> what does that look like for us? What, is, what does that look like for all Jesus people? Hey, do we like this stuff? I don't know if I like this stuff, because that sounds pretty uncomfortable to me. And next he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, so be on your guard. In other words, if you do what I'm telling you to do in the way I'm telling you to do it, because the way you do what I'm telling you to do is as important as what I'm telling you to do, if you do all of this, like, life is going to get pretty difficult. Like, there'll be pushback. Hard pushback. Because the world doesn't want to change. Lots of people will distrust you. You'll be rejected. You'll be wounded. You will be beaten. You will be imprisoned. Don't be surprised if life gets uncomfortable. That means, that means you're doing it well. That means you're successful. What? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for Renew? What does that look like for all Jesus people? I don't know about you, but I know that sounds uncomfortable to me. Here's the last thing he says. He's like, you're not alone. The Spirit will be with you. In other words, when it feels like this work is too difficult, when you feel like you've got nothing left, the Spirit will strengthen you. If you don't think you have words to say, you might not have the words to say. But don't worry. The Spirit is with you, and the words will come. Because it's not you speaking, it's God speaking through you. Look, let's be honest about all this stuff. It's hard. This is difficult. Like, if we're willing to really take all this stuff seriously, this stinks, man. Like, this is not comfortable at all. Often we want comfort. We want to we walk into a place like this or watch online and, and we want to we feel good about ourselves. We want to feel like, oh, God is on my side and all that kind of stuff. And that's good. But if comfort is our objective, man, we might not be listening. We might not be open. This is disorienting. This is confrontational. We aren't perfect. The world isn't perfect. Even the great United States of America. I love my country. I love where I live. I'm so grateful to be here. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but oh my goodness, we're not perfect. We got to figure that out. We got to come to terms with that. We got to come to grips with that. This is confrontational stuff here. There's another little slice of the Bible that's disruptive. If we let it be disruptive, we don't have to. Jesus isn't forcing us into anything. But this is disruptive. Jesus asks us to let go of everything, literally everything, to be God's representatives in the world. He asks us to, to let go of everything in order to 
take responsibility for God's credibility in the world. Let go of everything to take responsibility for God's believability in the world. For people to look upon Jesus, people, and be like, how's this all happening? There's got to be something more going on there. Yeah, it's the presence of the divine because they got nothing but that. For some of us, this might mean letting go of some of the ways in which we think the world works. This might mean letting go of some of the ways we, we think the world ought to work or have been taught that this is the way the world ought to work. We might actually have to question our own selves, our own beliefs. That's not easy. For others, it might mean violating cultural norms, going against the grain. We might become weirdos. And none of this is easy. It's all hard, all of it. Again, this isn't frilly. I got nothing extra to say. Just sort of the way Jesus says it is enough. To take responsibility for God's credibility and God's believability in this world means that we look upon those who are harassed and helpless. And our first reaction isn't defensiveness. It isn't to defend the world or the ways that things are happening in the world. It's, it's not to defend the system. If we look at those who are harassed and helpless in this world, our first gut reaction is compassion. Is that, is that compassion deep down in the deepest parts of your guts? It's the kind of feeling that you get when you learn something or see something and you realize in that moment, I can't just watch anymore. I have to do something. I have to say something. It pushes you to do something about it. Pay attention to that compassion. If you don't have it, that's okay. Ask for it. Just ask for it. And then when you get it, do something. Will you do something about it? Will we? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for... I think, thank you for how it confronts us and disrupts us. And God, we aren't perfect. We know this. We think we know everything. And give us the humility that we need to learn, to grow, to change, to be confronted with all of the ways in which our thinking is wrong, in which the way we might have made a mess of things in the past, and give us ways to, to put things back together again, oh God, to be your representatives in the world. Give us eyes that see and ears to hear so that we can move in concert with your spirit, which we believe is at work in the world, putting things back together again. Give us strength, give us courage as we follow you in Jesus' name, amen.